This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As our resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven-roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. Is anyone else struggling with what to wear these days? I've been pretty frustrated with getting dressed over the last few months as I've navigated body changes, and some days I quite literally have no idea what to wear. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for every occasion. When I signed up, I took a style quiz, and based on my preferences, they offered suggestions that would best match my life. I've been renting clothes from Armoire for a while now, and the more I rent, the more on point the suggestions get. Plus, you send what you wear back, which is a great way to try new styles without waste. Armoire also has such a fantastic range of options. Whether you're planning an outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or maybe a family event, or just need some updated options for everyday life, you'll be the best-dressed person in the room without ever having to find time for an exhausting shopping day. Right now, Didn't I Just Feed You listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash D-I-J-F-Y. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-I-J-F-Y to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Even kids who don't love to eat love to cook. And it's no wonder. The kitchen is a fantastic place for kids to flex their independence and learn in a real-life context. Plus, it cultivates healthier and more adventurous eating habits, which we parents like too. That's why we're such huge fans of our sponsor, Radish, a cooking kit for kids 2 to 14 years old that sends illustrated recipe guides, activities, conversation cards, a patch, and even a kitchen tool to your doorstep every month. This holiday season, give the gift of bringing a family together in the kitchen to experience the fun of taking risks getting creative, and maybe even making a few mistakes together before enjoying a delicious, well-earned meal. To learn more about how Radish subscriptions work, what's included, and pricing options, go to radishkids.com. That's www.r-a-d-d-i-s-h-kids.com. You can use scissors to cut cheese or cut salami or cut herbs. You can use your hands to tear lettuce and to tear other things. So I find that don't feel limited to your child's opportunity in the kitchen based on their ability to work with a knife. Hey, I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. And this is Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding families. 
because man, kids need to eat a lot. And frequently too. We're gonna jump right into our What We're Digging segment. Every week, Stacey and I share one new kitchen or food thing that we're loving. It can be a product, a trick, a technique. It's anything that's making life easier or more delicious. So Stacy, what are you digging this week? Ah, I like how we're moving so fast today. That's how my life has been. And so that's directly related to what I'm digging this week. I recently found at a local market, Guerrero tostadas. And I feel like tostadas are often made with like preservatives and a bunch of stuff that I just don't typically pick up in, you know, the things that I buy at the supermarket. And these are made with just like masa oil and like a few other things that are natural. And they're basically just like crunchy tortillas already made. So I don't have to fry the tortilla myself. And I always have Trader Joe's Chipotle bean dip in my cabinet. It's so good. We're obsessed with it. And that's it. These two things together, you slather the bean dip on the tostada, you sprinkle some cheese on top. If you have leftover rotisserie chicken or the other night, I actually just like quickly poached a chicken breast because I had one random chicken breast left over (laughs) and I shredded it. And then like I mashed an avocado one night, another night I didn't have one, but I had yogurt. I didn't have sour cream and it worked. And I've been basically making very quick tostadas in like 10 to 12 minutes. The boys are obsessed. I am obsessed. They keep requesting them. They come together so fast that on busy work days, I've been making them for lunch. Like we can't get enough. Can't get enough. Okay, I would totally eat that for breakfast with a fried egg. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Chicken. Yes. And also, I never buy sour cream. I hate to admit that, but I always just have Greek yogurt on hand. And anytime I would put sour cream on something, I just do a dollop of Greek yogurt. Yeah. You know, I used to do that, but I have to say I'm obsessed with sour cream and I really find that there's a difference. I don't know if it's because I grew up eating Greek yogurt. To me, there's just really a difference. So I really like sour cream. I usually have both in my refrigerator, but I hear you. I hear you. And I think that's a healthy substitute, but I'll actually even buy creme fraiche and use that over Greek yogurt if I have my druthers. Um, but anyway. <laughs> All the fermented dairies in your All the fermented dairies. I love it. Um, what are you digging this week, Megan? I am recently obsessed with this new Instagram I just found. It doesn't feel food related, but I'll get there. It's her Instagram handle is the budget mom. And I am going to get her name wrong. I think it's Kikamo Love. Okay. And we'll link to this in the show notes. Basically, she's a single mom and she's also a certified financial planner. And she has all these resources for budgeting. In fact, that's something we are downloading and getting ourselves ready for the beginning of the year by creating a new budget binder and talking about our goals for next year. But she also shares like a weekly meal plan or or if she's not meal planning, she shares like in her Instagram stories how she's using her pantry to meal plan, which is something she was doing recently. And I was also inspired to do something similar for my weekly meal plan. Yeah, budget's like a not very sexy thing to talk about, but I I don't know what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it's like my least favorite thing to talk about. I dislike managing money, but you know, as a food professional, I we spend a lot on groceries every month. We've talked about this before, 
um, a couple episodes back when we were talking about how I was trying out some grocery delivery. And it's just nice to like be inspired to look at my grocery budget as a place where I can save some money and be more resourceful and hopefully like put more towards savings and vacations and other fun stuff than just like Greek yogurt and sour cream and creme fraiche. fraiche. (laughs) And Uh, actually there's a really interesting conversation that you started going on in our Didn't I Just Feed You listeners group on Facebook about this. Yes. And we, I was not asking for anyone's like actual budget. We don't need to know dollars, but it was really interesting to hear that like half of our listeners have some sort of grocery budget that they work with. And then half of our listeners are like, what is a budget? I don't even know. I just buy groceries all the time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is what I feel like. So I'm trying to get a handle on that. And we should like circle back on that, like in the new year, in season two, we should talk about budgets and maybe we can get the budget mom on. I would love that because I don't know if you saw my comment, but I went from what's a budget to just being intentional. And I talk more at length about that in the yes. in my comment, but just being intentional made such a massive difference. It was pretty shocking. And I talk about exactly the ways in which I was intentional, but without going into numbers or budgeting, because I'm horrible with numbers and I hate thinking about it and I'm terrible at budgeting. So anyway, yeah, it was very interesting conversation. And should we make people listen to the end of the episode to get the yeah, super listen secret all the password? Yeah, and we'll ah. tell you the secret, super secret password <laughs> to join the listeners group um, because we'd love to have you there and part yeah. of that budget conversation. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Megan, why don't you tell us about today's guest, our friend who we love so much, Samantha Barnes, who also started Radish Kids, this month's fantastic sponsor. Samantha is the mom to an eight and a six-year-old and believes the kitchen is the ideal place to learn, discover, and create alongside her kids. As the founder and CEO of Radish, a monthly cooking club and curriculum, she works every day to empower kids in the kitchen. One of the questions our Didn't I Just Feed You listeners have a lot is how young is too young to start engaging kids in the kitchen? And what are um, some tasks that you suggest for toddlers and preschoolers? Well, I bet we both agree that it's never too young for kids to participate in the kitchen. I know with my my little ones, they were in the sling or the ergo when they were just little babies, um, just so that they would be comfortable around the kitchen sounds and smells. Um, obviously, at that age, they're not cutting or, or stirring or mixing, but I just think it helps you with your comfort level as a parent too, just involving them and, and thinking of it as more of an inclusive opportunity for your family as opposed to something that you know you go into the kitchen and your, your child is, is someplace else. For, for young kids, you know, toddlers and, and preschoolers, I think it's all about giving them tasks that they enjoy doing and feel successful at. So I find that prep work is something that they love. Oftentimes the things that as adults, we don't love doing because it is kind of tedious. So I'm thinking about drying lettuce um, or tearing herbs, uh, separating basil leaves from the stem or parsley leaves from the stem, maybe trimming beans. My kids do that a lot for me, and I find that they end up eating a lot of the green beans <laughs> um, when they are taking the ends off of it. But that's just that kind of repetition is really great for young ones. 
Obviously, mixing and whisking is really fun for them too. And, and then you can reinforce skills, you know, counting skills. Can you stir the batter eight times? Or let's smell all of these spices. We have six spices here and we're going to put them all into our soup. Let's smell them all first. And how do they smell? And um, what letters do they start with? Or what sounds do they start with? Um, and, and kind of talking about it, approaching it that way. Um, and I think cutting is something that parents ask a lot about and when the wow. developmental knife skills sort of are come up. And I know with my daughter, when she was three years old, she had a, a plastic knife and she was cutting apples. And I know this because there's a picture of her in a high chair. So I know she was little. <laughs> um, maybe she wasn't even three and she was sitting in her high chair and she would just really focus on those, those tasks of making her little cubes of apple. I think a lot of it is just engaging them and not thinking it has to be like, they don't have to make the whole recipe. They don't have to complete every step, just giving them a small task. Even if it's not something you're ultimately using in the recipe, you know, if they're like really into separating basil leaves and you only need four basil leaves, but they're going to do 20, like let them do it because then they're there participating. I love that. I love talking about knives for different age ranges. And I love to hear that your daughter was starting with her own knife when she was three. Cause I think a lot of parents feel really nervous about that stage and that keeps them from like letting, giving their kids some autonomy and having a knife and being involved in that way. So what, at what age do you start teaching knife safety and move from like a plastic knife to maybe like a real deal Santoku or something? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it depends so much on the, on the child. I mean, you're going to talk about knife safety from the minute you give it to them. So we have an expression, we, we say that knives don't walk. So knives are always, whether it's a plastic knife or, you know, a, a real knife, but knives are always sort of on the, the cutting board. So you're not walking to the refrigerator to get an ingredient and bringing your knife with them. Um, we also like to say no teeth on your teeth, on the teeth. So talking about the two parts of the knife, the handle and the blade, and, you know, for a serrated knife or even a butter knife that has little jagged edges, you know, we'll call that the teeth. So even if it's like covered in Nutella and all you really want to do is lick it, like no teeth on the te on teeth so that they are sort of learning, even when it's plastic, what the expectation is for handling the knife so that when they do make that transition over, um, you, you feel comfortable with them. We do, we teach kids about spider fingers so that they are tucking their non-dominant hand, the fingers on the non-dominant hand, they're tucking them so that their knuckles are sort of the, the protector, the shield of the fingertips um, and teaching them just the, the process of cutting and, and rocking up and down so that they are, and, and you'll see that eventually they become ready to graduate and move to a sharper knife because you trust them and you know that they know how to handle the knife and you feel comfortable because you've watched them. Um, and I think that would happen at different ages for different kids. We have a couple different sort of more advanced knives and my son who's six probably has just started graduating to using them that they have a, a sharper blade. So I do think it can happen when they're young or some kids it would be nine and 10 because they're super distracted and they're, you know, pointing with a knife and they're not, they're not watching what they're doing. <laughs> I do think that's a good point. You know, my older son's fine motor skills developed later than my younger sons. And 
so my younger son was actually using a sharp knife at the same time. Or mm -hmm. They started at the same time, basically, even though my younger son was, you know, nearly three years younger. He was just ready sooner. So I think that's a really important point is for parents to remember, just like reading and walking and all those other developmental stages that, you know, there's a range but you know your kids best and you have to just kind of pay attention to when they're ready for these things as long as you're kind of building and scaffolding those skills for them along the way and they're kind of moving through the appropriate steps. I think so too. And I also think when parents are worried about their kids in the kitchen, it is the knife that they are worried yeah. about. And there's so many other things that kids can do in the kitchen if they're not ready. So you can use scissors to cut yeah. cheese or cut salami or cut herbs. You can use your hands to tear lettuce and to tear other things. So I find that, you know, you don't, don't feel limited to your child's opportunity in the kitchen based on their ability to work with a knife because they're, they can whisk salad dressing and seasoned potatoes and, and mix batter, you know, and it's very safe to do all of those things. So I don't want to take us too far off of this conversation because there, it's such a rich conversation and there are so many questions, but I do want to pause for a second talking about kids. And I don't know how I've ended up being the person who represents for all the parents out there who don't like to cook since I love to cook, obviously, <laughs> it's part of my profession. But I'm just kind of trying to put myself in the shoes of the parent who already feels stressed out in the kitchen. Like the idea of getting in there and having a baby strapped to them or a toddler sitting there and having to like, you know, portion out basil leaves or, you know, being like, oh, like cinnamon, what sound is that? You know, I mean, these are things I did, but I have a master's in child development and I taught in classrooms and managed big groups of kids and I love to cook. So these are all things that are second nature to me. They just happen to fit my skill set when so many other things don't. <laughs> <laughs> so that stressed out parent I feel like that this is really hard stuff to ask them to do. You know, what about that parent? How can you get them to engage their kid in the kitchen? Follow your child's lead on this. So if you nice, have yeah. a child that's really excited and really does want to participate and be involved and is young, then I think it's it's very appropriate to sort of show your child, you know, we're going to do this together and we're going to discover this together um, and not to approach it when you're already stressed about making dinner or you are hurrying to get lunch boxes prepped for your older kids. You know, this is something you do in really small steps, baby steps, when you have the time and you start really simply. You could start with a bag of, you know, pre-popped popcorn and then just kind of tasting some things to go inside and making it fun and kind of making it more exploratory and discovery-based alongside your child so that it doesn't feel like it's this, you know, all these other things I have to do as a parent and now I have to teach them how to cook. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and make dinner and right. do it at the same exactly. time. <laughs> right. So like a fun project. And I think actually that's where 
that's part of what we love so much about Radish, your company, and these cooking kits. I feel like having used them myself with my kids, it's a really flexible tool because you can, you know, it can be something that you do to like integrate into a meal or a snack time, or it can just be this separate project, you know, and it's kind of structured for you a little bit. There's so many resources in there, right? Like there's a shopping list, there's the recipes, there's tools that you often need. And so it like takes a little bit of the stress off of creating curriculum or engaging your kids in the kitchen. Right. You having to like come up with the idea on your own. (laughs) Exactly. We like to think of it as the framework so that you have a child who's interested in cooking and you know, there's an infinite number of recipes available to you on the internet and in cookbooks. And it's sort of like, okay, here's a a great starting point. And also if any uh, parent is sort of having that struggle with their child that I think we all can relate to where your child maybe doesn't want to listen to you because you're mom. <laughs> um, this I don't sort know of ta- what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, we wish. Um, <laughs> this sort of tackles that too because it's coming in the mail and it's addressed right to that child. And so it's, it's the visual tool that... Totally it takes you out of the equation as the parent. Like the recipe is showing you how to do this and there's a picture. And so as, as mom, you just say like, okay, do step two and they can see what step two is. And so you lose a little bit of that. Oh, you're doing it wrong. That's not how you do it. Um, sort of that, that challenge. So I, I do think that Radish provides the framework for parents who maybe aren't sure how to approach cooking with their kids. And, you know, you asked about sort of the young kids. That is a, a market we, we've heard for years, like, oh, I can't wait till my child's old enough to be able to use Radish. So we actually have a product coming out for preschoolers and, you know, kids ages two to five, which it almost becomes that sort of activity that that opportunity just to, to do a, a meaningful project with your kid that's not an art project or um, a science project or a reading project, but it, it comes comes together in the shape of a, a snack and um, something that you can eat and make together. So another question that we get all the time, because Megan was talking about, you know, like how do you get really young ones in the kitchen? The other big one, what about the mess. Because <laughs> even parents who do like to cook, raising my hand over here. Yes. The mess. Ah. So I have a really small kitchen. <laughs> and I, I think the good news about this is that the mess tends to be contained in one spot. Now, granted, I have to ask the kids to get off their stool so I can open up the silverware drawer. So we do that like 100 times while we're cooking because there's one spot for them to be. Um, but it, it does help contain it. And I think that, that's the benefit. Um, but it, as somebody that's cooked with kids for over a decade, you know, it's still taken me a lot of patience and years of practice to become more comfortable with the mess. Um, but it's nothing that we can't clean up. And it's, it's truly how kids learn. So I think part of it is approaching the uh, the time that you're cooking with kids with the right headspace. Like you, you can't be already stressed out and feeling like your kitchen is already messy and your house is already messy. And you can't be, you know, worried about all these other things because that's going to make you more frustrated when the kids make a mess. So it really has to do with like your own sort of headspace approaching cooking with kids. Um, if it's something that really stresses you out and sort of 
prohibits you from, from working with your kids. You know, you can line your entire counter with wax paper and then when they spill half a cup of flour, you know, t roll the paper in and, and toss the whole thing. And so, you know, you can do some of those kinds of tools that will sort of enable you to have less of a mess. <laughs> and, I, and then I would also add that addressing the mess factor with education so teaching kids how to pour so it doesn't dribble down the bowl. I mean, that's one thing that we know as adults. If you leave the lip of the measuring cup and you rest it on the bowl, half of it's going to dribble down. It's just <laughs> the nature of it. But if you do it kind of quickly in the middle, it'll all, generally speaking, pour into the bowl. So just kind of teaching your kids from an early age, like, here's why we do this and kind of showing them that, like, look how much less spills when you do it this way or teaching kids to whisk with their wrist, sorry, their wrist instead of like their whole arm, because when they do their whole arm, you know, the flower goes everywhere in the bowl and they're going fast and it's kind of exploding all over the place. But if you just kind of show them, look what happens when we're nice and easy and we're using our wrist and it's actually whisking better and the mess is more contained. So almost just using it as an opportunity to sort of educate them about how to help the mess, I, I found to, to make a difference. I, I love <laughs> that. And do you know that I have never once in all my years of writing and talking about this topic heard somebody say that? And I've never given that answer either. And it's something that I do naturally with mm -hmm. my kids, but it's never occurred to me to kind of say that out loud. And also, I feel like we do that with our kids, but sometimes we do it in frustration mm -hmm. <laughs> without realizing that maybe we've never even taught them that patiently. Like we've never stopped to say like, hey, this is how you do it so it doesn't make a mess. It's just that they like do it, they make a mess and we're like, ah, oh, like, no, like this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's such Absolutely. a smart, thoughtful, patient answer and like such a reminder to like take a step back and that, you know, these are skills that we have to teach them from the beginning. You know, going back to this idea of like stopping, scaffolding and remembering that they have to like go through every step. Yes. And teach them from when they're little. I love it. Yes. So I remember I was chaperoning a school field trip um, and it was to sort of a, a camp retreat back when I was a teacher and the kids had to wipe down the counters afterwards. And I was teaching at a fairly privileged school and I, I'm not sure that most of them had the chance to use a sponge before. Oh. And <laughs> I remember they would take the sponge like filled with water and then walk it over to the counter <laughs> and kind of like not really know what to do. Like maybe they were brushing the crumbs on the floor, but really they were creating a flood, of, like a pool of soapy water. And that has always struck me and kind of stuck with me because kids need to learn. You, know, you have to start at the basics. These are seventh graders. You have to start at the basics and meet kids where they are. And even if it's like, this is how you wipe a counter. First, you squeeze the sponge. So the water you know, comes out of the sponge and then you wipe the counter down in this way so the crumbs don't go on the floor. And, and we have to do that for our kids no matter what the skill is. And we can't just expect that they know how to do all these things if we haven't sort of purposefully taught them. And that circles back sort of to the second part of what you're saying about like, yes, we're teaching them to prevent the mess, but also they should be engaged in the cleanup when they're cooking in the kitchen too. Yes. And, and that's one of my like little tips that I 
often share with um, other parents is that when my kids were really little, I would just fill us and they wanted to be like in the kitchen. I would just fill the sink with soapy water and let them play there. And then as we got, as they got older, as I grew as a parent, you know, it went from, oh, that soapy water is for them to play in to like, oh, the soapy water is so that when we're done with something, it is their job to put it in the sink to be washed and they can help with washing when we're all done too. Yes. And they might not do a perfect job. No, they never do. (laughs) (laughs) But we're introducing them to that. I do have a rule that kids shouldn't wash wash knives or really sharp tools. So you can sort of teach them to keep that at the top of the counter so that you can do that on your own later um, because that can be pretty dangerous for them. But yeah, they just letting them do that, even if they're rinsing, you know, is, is a way for them to be involved in that. And I think that this conversation actually brings it full circle to why cooking is such an important activity for children and that it's not just about having fun or even about, you know, diet or trying to combat picky eating, although, you know, those are really important aspects of this as well, but that actually this is about life skills you know, of course, there's an opportunity for math and for science. And I know a lot of people hear about that stuff because you're talking about measuring and mixing and chemical reactions. But there's also independence. There's, you know, when you're off on your own, do you know how to take care of yourself? Do you know how to wash things, how to go to the supermarket, how to make some food for yourself? You know, how to maybe even as they get older, you know, my son's 11 and he is just starting to walk home from the bus stop from himself. So he has a little bit of money. There are some days when he gets home and I'm not home. Figure out how to budget this money for the week to grab a snack for yourself on the way home. You know, like what kind of choices are you making? How do you feel afterwards? You know, there's so much more that goes into this. Like, making food choices, cooking, cleaning up after yourself that I really think starts with this cooking in the kitchen. And these are skills that kids, if they cultivate them now, they are going to have for the rest of their lives and a need for the rest of their lives as you've just kind of laid out. I think so often as parents, you know, our kids' interests or gymnastics, or karate, or theater, or piano, or all of these other things that are wonderful to sort of honor and embrace and, and cultivate and make sure your kids are being exposed to those things. But as an adult, I know I'm not doing gymnastics, <laughs> and <laughs> I am cooking. And so if we can sort of help the kids to love and appreciate and enjoy and understand the value of cooking when they're young, this is a skill that they will actually use their whole lives. And so sort of giving it the space like, hey, cooking is, this is like a legitimate thing. You love to cook? Great. Like this is your, this can be your after school activity. Um, And you don't have to get in the car and drive to piano lessons um, if your kid is super excited to, to cook at home. Yeah, totally. And we're not creating, you know, we're not all trying to create chefs. We're we're trying to sort of prepare kids for all stages of of life that include food because all stages do include food. 
You know, this conversation reminds me a little bit of, I read a book once that I really loved um, called The Opposite of Spoiled, and I'll put this in our show notes. It's called The Opposite of Spoiled, Raising Kids Who Are Grounded, Generous, and Smart About Money by a man, an author, Ron Lieber. He, I believe, was a finance writer either for the New York Times or the Washington Post. Anyway, I went to see him speak, and he was basically, he's a proponent of not just giving allowance for chores. Mm -hmm. He feels like you give allowance whether you have chores or not. And his thinking is that, you know, kids should get money so that they can learn how to manage it because it's a life skill and that, you know, you should be doing chores anyway to be part of the household. And that if they don't do chores and then they don't get money, they're losing out on an opportunity to manage money. And I kind of, this is reminding me of it because I kind of feel like you know, maybe kids should just be getting in the kitchen and cooking, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that this is a life skill and it's tied to all these other really important life skills. Cause you're right. Like when you're a grown up, you're gonna have to cook, yeah. <laughs> right? So shouldn't we just be doing this? Shouldn't we be like, isn't this an important thing that we should be training our kids to do on some level or another? And we could be doing it at various levels. You know, the three of us might be invested in doing it at a higher level because it's of interest to us or maybe parents who have kids who are really into it can do it more and other families can do, you know, just the basics. Yeah. I really like that analogy. And uh, we have the book and actually this year started his philosophy towards an allowance. And so I think there's the save, the spend and the share jars. And so uh, we have been doing that. And, you know, I didn't grow up with an allowance so if it's very different to me and my husband, I think grew up with an allowance that was linked to chores. So yeah. we are trying this, but you're absolutely right. The point of that is so that when you don't make really fiscally or irresponsible choices, when it matters that you learn that at an early stage. And I, I think that's the same concept where just the constant exposure and sort of the prep for these life skills. And, and in some ways that was, these are classes that used to be taught in, in schools and, yeah. and families used to encourage kids at home to, to be more involved in, in all of these areas. And I think as our society has changed, we've, we've shifted away from some of these sort of basic core skills. Yeah. I'm trying not to talk about home ec, right? Cause then it gets into like very <laughs> weird territory because of the way that it was the way that it played out Yeah, in a very sort of gendered sexist way. But I mean, I don't know, was there maybe something to it? Or maybe it's not something that school needed to take on, but. I think it's both. I think because we're like not as tightly knit as families anymore, where the kids really needed to help in the kitchen and maybe even going back so much further, like if they had a family farm or whatever. And now we've moved away from that and we're so disconnected from our food and where our food comes from that like, I know I didn't grow up with a mom who was teaching me to cook. She was a single mom, like making box dinners. And I learned to cook because I got tired of those things. So I think it's both that we don't have like, and that home ec has moved out of schools is, is a little bit because we maybe value cooking less than we should. Mm -hmm. And I love that Radish is like trying to bring that back as the idea of like, kind of like you were saying, extracurricular classes, we spend money on those, but like karate is not a basic life skill. (laughs) 
You don't need to karate three times a day. You need to eat three times a day. So teaching our kids to cook is is an important investment too. And ironically, the the biggest barrier I find for families is that they say they don't have enough time. And I always have that response like, well, we are eating three times a day, you know? So we have to, we have to feed our families in some capacity multiple times a day throughout the week. And so I think it's on us to figure out how to carve that time or be creative with our our time so that we are having that experience because it is so important. Yeah. It's, that's a, it's a very interesting one because, you know, at the same time, I think we need to be careful about not judging parents about how they use their time mm-hmm. because it's very tough. Everyone's stretched really, really thin, you know? So that's where I, that's where I feel like I wish parents could understand that if you get your kids to help, it eventually becomes something that they can really, you can offload. Hey, parents, <laughs> it's child labor. <laughs> yes, here. it's making kids a contributor. Let's get them, but, to, <laughs> get them to do something, man. But that's full circle. Thin. Because then they're, they're <laughs> contributing and yeah. they're feeling really proud and confident to be totally. doing something that their whole family is benefiting from and valuing. So totally. it becomes a, a, you know, a really good self-fulfilling prophecy. You teach them, they like it, they help, they feel good, totally. they help your family. I mean, it, it becomes a, a machine that works. Totally. Because when I feel really, really stretched then, I've got to say, if I take a like a hard look at it. I really feel like it's because I'm doing too much for my kids. That's like a huge part of it. Like I'm working and I'm cooking a lot and I'm probably like running my kids too many places and like doing too much for Like they're probably not helping enough. Like are they also helping with the laundry? Are they helping cook any dinners? Like are they, you know, I mean – Nine and 11, like back when there were farms, nine and 11 year olds were doing a whole lot of crap. <laughs> let's, let's like, come on people, let's get them cooking. <laughs> so Samantha, your number one favorite recipe for cooking with kids, is there one for all ages? Do you have different, you know, do you have favorites for different age ranges? What okay, do you love that to is cook a super hard question. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm going to have to turn it back on, on both of you. I, I kind of thought about it based on my own kids and what their favorite things are to cook. Um, so my daughter's favorite thing and, and like her favorite recipe is actually not a recipe. It's making salad dressing. And she loves this. Like that yeah. is her thing. And she might not help and make any part of the dinner, which is totally fine. She comes in and does the parts that she wants to help with, but it's always salad dressing. And so she understands the ratios. She understands sort of taste. She has like a really great palate. She'll taste something like, oh, I think it needs a little bit more acid or, you know, mommy, what else do we have for something sweet? Or and she really can identify the flavors. Um, so I think that's really fun as a great sort of foundational recipe because it builds her uh, confidence to, to try new things, to test new things, to say, hey, this tastes really good. What was that? Um, and then she likes to write it down and kind of remember it and and customize it. So, And then ultimately she likes to eat the salad because she made the dressing. So there's that sort of added benefit. 
Um, my son's favorite recipe, and it's probably why I kept alluding to basil, um, his favorite food is pesto. And I think what's really fun about using that as a favorite recipe for making with kids is that you see how all of these separate components come together to make something that's totally different than how it started. So when he was little, you know, he was doing the stems and, and, and counting. Um, and then there's a lot of measuring and dumping. And then there's like this magic that happens in the food processor, right? And you, you take all these like individual things and then it becomes this green, vibrant, creamy, smooth sauce that we put on chicken and we put on pasta. And he, he loves that process. And I think that's fun too for kids and younger kids um, because it is, it's fairly quick. It comes together, you know, in a few minutes if you want to make it. You can draw it out and make it take a lot longer. Obviously, when you're working with kids, things do. But I kind of, I kind of like that element of it. So I don't know. It's, that's a really hard one. Things that you can customize. Like I love muffins because you, once you have a basic muffin recipe, um, which for me is like our solid blueberry muffin recipe, but now I do it with cranberries and oranges and zucchini. And I can always, you know, make it really quickly. It's, it's not a hard recipe to make. And it's good for after school snack. It's good for lunch boxes. It's good for breakfast. It's good on Sunday morning. So I, I would probably choose muffins, um, but I think those are what my kids would choose. I love that. I love the dressing and pesto too, because they're instant gratification. Like the kids can taste things as they're making them and then they get to taste the results right away. Muffins are a little bit, you have to wait a little bit for yeah. them to bake and cool and you kind of can mess them up. So in some ways, so they're like a, ne- a nice next level. But I love um, oat, like making granola for the same reason because you can't really mess it up. They can eat it along the way and you don't uh, get like muffins. They don't take a long time to bake or cool for you to enjoy them. I love that you said instant gratification because that's exactly what it is and probably why I like doing those things. I'm, I'm not a baker. I find I bake more now than I did before I was a mom, but that isn't my my true calling. I like to taste and adjust and I like teaching kids to taste and adjust and you can't do that with your when you're baking. And so often kids get their start in the kitchen and baking and I don't really know why that is, but yes, <laughs> you know, the I kids be like, "Oh yeah, I cook, cook make cookies." I'm like, "Well, great." Cookies are great, but we don't need to make them every day. You know, I think it just sort of like, <laughs> it's this weird, like it symbolizes cooking with your kids. I mm-hmm. think there's some like marketing thing behind that where that's what we're sort of sold that we're supposed to be making with our kids, like cookies after school or cupcakes for their birthdays. And so it's always really, re- I love to bake, I but I understand that most people don't enjoy doing that with their kids. And so it's really great to get some like savory ideas that yeah. are easy and delicious Stacey, I'm curious, do you have a number one favorite recipe for cooking with your boys? Oliver really loves pesto, and he really loves something that I featured on the Didn't I Just Feed You site several episodes ago, um, the hearts of palm dip. Mm. Oh, yeah. He loves that. He loves he loves things that come together in the food processor. And, you know, so it's funny that you mentioned that, Samantha, because I do think that there's something really gratifying about throwing a whole bunch of things in, pressing a button. I mean, even at nine, it still amazes him. You know, when he was little, I had a YouTube channel 
And he used to love making videos with me. And I have videos that just like still warm my heart of him really little. And he needed a stool of him like, oh, like watching, (laughs) you know, things come together like it was magic, you know, and all these years later, still at nine, he's like, oh, cool. (laughs) You know, (laughs) he just loves it. And then it's done. It's ready. He can eat it. Instant Um, gratification. He just loves it. And, you know, it's usually something you can dip chips in. That's cool. Chips are always yummy. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a good way to get them to eat something savory. Also, he's a raw veggie lover. Like he loves carrot sticks, raw peppers, raw tomatoes. So anything that you can dip raw veggies in, pesto, hummus, hearts of palm, he loves. Isaac's a tough one. Isaac really is into using the stove now. So Isaac likes cooking and he likes Japanese food. So Isaac is like, he likes to get more adventurous. He always wants to cook like soba or like he wants to make sushi, but he kind of like peters out halfway through. He always wants to do (laughs) something ambitious and then gets like bored halfway through. He picks up his phone to look at Bleacher Report and check out the scores and then leaves the kitchen. And then I keep going. And then like 20 minutes later, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Why am I making kombu with like? <laughs> I feel like he learned from you how to eat. Like he's taking all your tricks and getting you engaged in the kitchen, Stacy. <laughs> and he's such a like delegator. I'm like, wait a minute. He's like, no, I'm just the manager. It's cool. You you you'll be done in 20 minutes. It's cool. What about you, Megan? Oh. I would say granola is one of my oh, top yes. my top 10 to make with kids. And I I for sure have talked about this on another episode of Didn't I Just Feed You, that one of the things I like to do with kids of all ages is like melt chocolate and dip things in it. Mm. Because again, it's like instant gratification. It feels like a treat without being like, you're, you're not having to do a full baking session. It's very quick. It can be allergy friendly. What else? Sprinkles. A, uh, sprinkles, yeah. I have a, <laughs> She's queen yeah, sprinkles. I know. Not a, I'm like, what do I ba- What do I make with my kids that is savory? Nothing. I do have a four-year-old. <laughs> Nothing. No. I, I've written about this on the kitchen before. I sort of have this standing rule, which is harder and harder as my kids are older and they also fight with each other sometimes in the kitchen, is that if they ask to help with dinner or whatever I'm cooking, I always try to say yes, unless I'm cooking for work. Which I feel like that sounds crazy to most people, but it actually is like really helpful on the nights when I feel like I'm really rushed to make dinner. If the kids come and they're like, can I help? That usually gets them involved and it makes me take like a hard stop, get their stools, get them kind of set up with something to do to help me. And it makes me like take a deep breath and feel less rushed about dinner. And there's like that added benefit always that when they are asking help, usually they're like just trying to get a taste of something. And so they eat a little bit and they're not as hungry and cranky, especially when we're talking about waiting for dinner. So they cook kind of everything with me, but granola and chocolate dipping are my two favorite recipes for kids of all ages. I love that chocolate dipping. I'm gonna take that. I I find that usually after dinner, the kids start asking for dessert and it's like, I haven't thought about it 
and I, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and it's late because we ate dinner way too late every night in our house. And I'm thinking about cleaning up and, and getting them to bed and a little bit of chocolate would be a, a super, I mean, I know maybe not a lot of chocolate before bed, but you know, <laughs> just a little bit could really do the trick and make it really fun. So I'm going to steal that. Yeah. And there are a few desserts that you can pull together in like 15 minutes and everyone will love. Yes. Yeah. Well, Sam, it was such a pleasure to have you on today. Thanks for chatting with us. Thank you both. It was really fun. I love that conversation so much. After 15 episodes of Didn't I Just Feed You, which in and of itself is just amazing and shocking, our conversation with Samantha was so validating. You know, we've gone through all the basics from school lunch to meal planning. We've run the gamut. Dining out with kids. (laughs) Dining out with kids. Yeah, we've hit like all the big topics or most of them. But this conversation, I feel like, really gets to the heart of our passion and why both of us wanted to start this project in the first place. You know, for you, it's really about like fun and getting in the kitchen and creating those memories with your kids. You know, for me, very similar to Samantha, you know, thinking about like learning and child development and how my own passion for cooking and being in the kitchen, you know, fits with all of this like learning and development that's happening throughout the ages. So I just feel like this was a very validating, exciting conversation. And for this week's Try This at Home, I just think that we should encourage you all to just get in the kitchen with your kids. We don't care how old they are, whether they're about to go off to college (laughs) or they are, you know, toddling around on the floor. Maybe they're still in a Bjorn, (laughs) you know, like, and you're carrying them, you know, on your, you know, in your carrier while you're cooking dinner, you know, just get in the kitchen with them, whatever's age appropriate. Samantha gave us some great tips. I don't care if it's baking or doing something savory, just cook something with them, with them near you or with them engaging, whether you give them a task that actually helps put the meal together (laughs) or it's kind of a little ancillary task that maybe really never even comes close to the dish. Just be in the kitchen with your kids, experience it with them, see what you can get out of it, see if you can let go of the whole mess thing. We get it. It's hard because that's really what it's all about, I think, hopefully for you guys. It certainly is for us. Yes, you know I love that so much. Yeah. Um, And we're going to ask you guys to share whatever you cooked or however you engaged with your kids, either on our Facebook page or tag us on Instagram because we'd really love to see what you're creating with your kids. Yeah, share those pictures. Talk to us, tag us. Where didn't I just feed you on Instagram and on Facebook? It's really easy. But most importantly, if you enjoyed listening to us, please tell your friends about Didn't I Just Feed You. Leave us a review on iTunes. It makes a really big difference for us. Even though we're 15 episodes in, we will always take fresh reviews. And be sure to hop on our Facebook page at Didn't I Just Feed You and look for our listeners group. The super secret password is whiskey. It's Stacey and I's favorite cocktail and the one that inspired this podcast. (laughs) It's true. 
big thank you to you, our listeners. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jamendo. A huge thank you to our editor, Jeremy Enns, and the team at Counterweight Creative. This is Megan. And this is Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed until next week.